0: I'm so glad that you press play on this episode today. Thank you for being here. We have a great episode to share. Now, if you are feeling like you are just done with that perpetual, trying to be good, trying to do all the things, trying to live up to impossible expectations and just feeling completely depleted, feeling like you have no energy, feeling like the time of your day just goes by in a flash. And there is nothing left for you. Well, today we're talking about energetic time management how to manage your energy instead of your time so that you can do less and make more. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Heather Chauvain today. Now, Heather is a leadership coach who helps ambitious, overwhelmed women break free from their fears to courageously and authentically live, work, and parent on their own terms. She's a TEDx speaker. She's the author of the book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, which we will talk about today. And she is the host of the highly loved podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable, with over 9 million downloads and counting. Heather started her career as a social worker, helping adults understand children's behavior, but it wasn't until 2013 when a stage four cancer diagnosis pushed her to take a deeper stand for change, uncovering how cultural expectations sabotage our dreams. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Real Simple Magazine, Mind Body Green, Google, and more. And when Heather isn't working, you will find her living out what she teaches, which may include kayaking Alaska, snowboarding, hiking, or anything else that challenges what she believes is possible for herself and inviting her three children along for the journey. I can't wait to share this with you. Let's dive right in. Hey, I'm Andreana Gonko, and this is the Juggle is Real podcast. As I share my ongoing journey from experiencing burnout to leading a more mindful and intentional life with better balance, I hope you feel seen, that you realize your worth, lighten your load, and prioritize your own needs. As we hear from leading experts and well-known faces in the wellness, entrepreneurship, education, and motherhood space, I hope you gain insights, proven practices, and learn actionable tools to help you enjoy the juggle of work, family, and everything in between with a little less stress and a lot more ease, joy, and fun. Most of all, I hope you find what you need to simplify, streamline, and supercharge your own journey of better balance and self-love. Are you with me? Let's get started. Heather, welcome to the Juggle is Real podcast. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today?
1: I am so good and incredibly excited for this conversation. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so am I. I mean, as we just heard in your incredible bio, I mean, you've had a very full life filled with some incredible highs and also some really challenging lows. And I really want to, to really dive deep today and to chat about that and just, just get into it right off the hop because i want you to tell us about this journey that you've been on because you've had burnout and exhaustion you've juggled your career parenting and a stage 4 cancer diagnosis 10 years ago mm-hmm. but now you're not only surviving but you are thriving you are a successful ambitious business owner and you are living a life that is aligned a life that you truly love and I also learned that in my research, you became a mom at the age of 18. You were just a kid yourself and you have three boys. I have three boys too, but tell us about this time, bring us back to 2013, which must have been so challenging for you. How did you get from
1: there to where you are now? Mm -hmm. Oh boy, where to start? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Every time I meet a mom, like, especially when she has three boys, there's like this unspoken communication of like, I see you, I see you. Um yeah. mothering so of course I became a mother when I was 18 years old and I remember something just lit up inside of me and it was really looking at my son thinking I don't want to fail you I don't want to become a statistic but there was something deeper like this primal instinct of um I can't fail as a mother like that is my core purpose as a woman but it wasn't conscious. It was incredibly subconscious. And this was nine years before my diagnosis. And previous to that, and my, my personality, I, I would identify as like a rebel. So I've always questioned, I've always pushed back, but it was interesting because it was almost like my instincts took over and I started acting like, uh, perfection, Like, okay, I have to, you know, this is the manual and I need to start checking the boxes. So give, 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 and do not receive. If you receive, you are selfish. And if you are selfish, therefore you are taking away from your child or children. And if you're taking away from your children, you are a bad mother. And -hmm. that was like the unspoken rule. And so I just started acting as if give, 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 give. And the culture was like literally patting me on the back saying, look at you look at you five stars five stars and internally i was like dying so yes. my first it was my soul and it was like not this not this and i got worried but i felt like i couldn't tell anybody because when i was going to therapy or my doctor's office or other like adults i'm like you know staring at them like i'm drowning and they're like suck it up buttercup this is adulthood this is motherhood and i thought Ooh, I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe here. So, secretly, I started educating myself. I started finding meditation and mindfulness, but everything was coming to me um through my son. Meaning, he had this anxious behavior or angry behavior or the, you know, when he started school, schools like you gotta, you gotta do something about this. And so I look into it, but I'm like, everything again was for him, for him, for him. So I started teaching him meditation and mindfulness, which of course I needed to do myself. Mm-hmm. So he, we started like co-creating life together, but it wasn't necessarily because I was going first and learning and and leading and then becoming the person that I most desired him to be. It wasn't until my diagnosis. So fast forward The first nine years of mothering um, went, got educated, became a social worker, got the corporate job that everybody wanted, pinnacle social work job. And my soul was slowly leaving my body. I was invested in business mentorship, like personal and professional development. Jumping outside the box, everyone's like, what is Heather doing? Oh, here she goes again. And I was just, I was in the hustle. When my diagnosis happened, I remember um, realizing that I was doing all the things, but the one thing I wasn't doing was deeply trusting myself and living my life from that place. I was letting one aspect of fear run my life, which was feeling like I was going to fail as a mother. And I didn't know how to manage my fear. So that when the diagnosis happened, it was weird because I had that this wasn't the first little bump in my, like, this wasn't my awakening. This was like my, um, this was my, like, you now have to deeply embody what you've all always known to be true, that you need to become the person you most desire your children to be. And without, without the fear, right. Like to
0: overcome the fear. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it was fascinating because, Again, I'm going against the grain of like, if I want to feel alive and energized and aligned and balanced and all the things I need to put myself first, always, 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 always. And then I can lead from that place. And it may be like a decision in a moment, like I matter. Nope, I cannot attend that. I'm at capacity. I (laughs) matter. I need to fill my cup up first. And so I started changing my identity, literally reverse engineering how I wanted to feel. And it was interesting to watch energetically how I'm changing my internal ecosystem and how everyone else is reacting to it. Like in the hospital, on the hospital, like in the hospital bed, this is like before even like FaceTime existed. I, or it was just brand new. I remember people calling me asking how to cope with my diagnosis. And I could watch myself go, oh my gosh, I am their therapist. I am their rock. They don't know what to do when the strongest person they know is not strong, like is breaking down. And I thought, oh, this is where boundaries are. I can't be the person you need me to be right now. You need to go call somebody else. And it was fascinating where all of a sudden I just, it was like slow motion. And I'm like, damn, look at all these chords. Look at all this codependency. Look at all the things. And that is when I stopped. And I really had to look within and say, how do you want to feel and start to, and that's where energetic time management was born and to start to learn how to reverse engineer that even though a lot of people around me had no idea what I was doing. I had to deeply trust myself. Um, and I, I don't want to say not care what they thought, but truly not take on that projection um, of judgment and just say, I see your judgment, but I'm not going to pick up on it. And I'm going to live from the inside out. So it was fascinating. Wow. Thank you
0: so much for sharing that. And I know, I mean, through, through my own journey as well of experiencing burnout, having, a similar mentality of you know perfectionistic per, perfectionistic and people pleasing and and not understanding that saying no is a beautiful thing i i do recall you know the that that moment of clarity when i realized that if if i'm not going to put myself first if i'm not going to prioritize myself and my own needs no no one else is going to do it for me right and so i feel like Your journey while having some bumps in the road has really brought you to this beautiful place where now you can shine brightly and you can share so that other people don't have to hopefully go through these same struggles, which is so wonderful. And the the theme for this episode, which is such an incredible topic, is energetic time management. And I so appreciate those who can teach it because it's an area that has really taken me some time to understand and implement in my life. And I know that I butt up against it all the time. Like I can remember, you know, the time at the time we're recording right now, we're in this busy fall season and it's, you know, back to school mode and the to-do list is extra long and there's so much happening. And I can remember not too long ago, it was a weekend and it was a beautiful day. Like, you know, I live in Northern Ontario, so we know winter is coming, right? So it's like, you got to soak up the sun when it's there. And there were so many things on the list of things to do, but I had a headache and I was like, do I push through? Like, it would be great to go outside with the kids. It would be so great to like get the groceries done and like you do do all the things. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like, is pushing through going to be what I really need right now? At the end of the day, when I'm absolutely exhausted, when my headache and my head is just like aching, is that, am I going to feel good about the day? And so I, I I took a nap, like in the midst of this beautiful day where I had tons to do, I took a nap and that was what I needed. And so I want to talk about what energetic time management means to you. I mean, this is just one little story, but I know that this happens in, in our lives all of the time. How can we make the shift to manage our energy instead of our time? I think many of us kind of can comprehend. We agree, like the theory of it sounds good, but how do we Mm -hmm. actually put it into practice when let's face it, like we've got so much to do. So Heather, let us know energetic time management. How do we encompass this? What is it? How do we do it?
1: Yeah. So to me, energy is power. And I always say before I give you the tips or strategy, you have to choose to want to feel good or better. Mm -hmm. And it's an identity shift. So, you know, we have access to so much information, but if you keep saying I can't, or I don't have time, what you're really saying is I don't matter. Um, I don't respect myself enough to care. And you really have to get to a point where you are like, I am done feeling like shit. I am done with this life. It's like, you're headed, you know, you're on a road trip and you're like, the GPS is saying turn left and you have turned right and you keep going right. And the GPS is like, turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around. (laughs) And at one point you have to say, I am done and I'm going to listen to myself and I'm going to turn around. And so that's what this is. Um, Your internal GPS. Yeah. And it's an incredibly easy, simple strategy But the amount of resistance you will have to implementing it, that is where I say the magic happens because you have to face that resistance. So energetic time management was a skill or a tool that I developed during my diagnosis. And I give credit to, I mean, there's a lot of personal development out there. I give credit to Danielle Laporte, who at the time her book was called The Desire Map. The biggest thing that I took away from there, um, although it wasn't called energetic time management, I needed a physical step-by-step strategy was she kept saying, it's not the thing you're after. It's the feeling. And for whatever reason, I actually understood this maybe because I read so many personal development books and immersed myself at that point. She's like, it's not the bigger house that you desire. What is it? You want more space maybe, or there's something else you want a new start. I don't know. Is it the money that you want, like that money goal, or is it what you think you're going to feel when you get there? So realizing it's always the feeling that we are after. And kind of like you alluded to, you know, it's like, oh, if I had a Friday off or if I could go on that vacation, I'm going to feel a certain way. You do it and you're like, oh, I didn't feel the way that I wanted to feel. And then we have this disappointment and letdown. You realize that in every moment, it's about a feeling, 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 feeling. So step one, take out pen and paper, put it at the top of it. Wouldn't it be nice if, I don't know why I chose this journal prompt, but I use it every day. I use it for certain areas of my life. I'm not asking you what you want or the goal. I'm saying, wouldn't it be nice if, as if it's like a magic wand and you're just being loose about it wouldn't it be nice if, and you're just going to put a two minute timer on your phone and you're just going to, wouldn't it be nice if I could go for a three hour walk a day? Wouldn't it be nice if somebody else cooked for me? Wouldn't it be nice if someone brought me a glass of water? Wouldn't it be nice if Um, I loved every piece of clothing that I put on my body. Wouldn't it be nice if someone decluttered my house for me? Wouldn't it be nice if I didn't stress about X, Y, Z? Like just write down whatever is inside of you. These are your desires. So I tell people your list is going to be very different than my list. And that's what makes us unique. But I believe that a desire that is implanted inside of you, that is for you to like nurture and bring to life but we are taught to avoid our desires. Like even if it's a basic human need of water and food, we are taught to give, 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 give. So step one is you have to care about that list. Step two is down the list, figure out what the feeling is. So wouldn't it be nice if someone cooked me a meal? What is the feeling you're after? Nurtured, taken care of, appreciated. Wouldn't it be nice if I had space? Like think of the feeling, right? People typically do not say, oh yeah, my feelings are, I want to feel depleted, angry, resentful, in debt. They're like, I want to feel abundant, alive, free. There's always going to be some form of that. So then I tell you, what is the common theme? Sometimes it's interesting too, because people will say, my words are secure and safe. And -hmm. we have to be mindful of that because remember our our brain has a negativity bias to always keep us safe. That's the whole point of the primal brain. So you're might be in a relationship or a career or like just a habit that is actually keeping you safe. Like our current habits are what are safe. So um, example, I had a bad habit and still sometimes secretly do of eating chips in bed at night. And I watch myself and I'm like, what is the feeling I'm after? And it's comfort, comfort. And I'm like, okay, if I'm doing this, I mean, awareness is key. Changing behavior is the next step. But I'm like, if doing this is comfort, like that is not life enhancing to eat a bag of chips in bed every single night. But if I'm seeking comfort, what else can I do during the day, or even in this moment when I'm emotionally uncomfortable? Hence, the reason the name of my podcast. Can can I do that's life enhancing that will allow me to feel more comfortable? So maybe mm-hmm. How I'm do you going tap to tap
0: into the feeling in a a way that's more uh, in line with your well being and, and overall.
1: Yeah, and and it, I could still eat those chips, but also maybe I'm like I'm going to do five minutes of breath work before. I choose to, to eat those chips. And so the point of this exercise, I'm not asking you to blow up your whole life. I'm asking you to choose one, one little percent. That's it. But I became obsessed with how do I want to feel? How do I want to feel? How do I want to feel? And this was the filter I started bringing like my attention to. So when I was sitting in my bed, depleted, After treatment, having no time, no energy, or sorry, no energy. I had lots of time, no energy. It wasn't like I'm going to get up and run a marathon. It was like, how do I want to feel? I want to feel alive and energized. What would an alive and energized person do? Well, they'd probably get up and take a shower and maybe sit on the porch. That's all I had the energy for. So as I'm sitting there going, I don't want to do anything, I had to actively choose how I wanted to feel and take little micro baby steps towards it. And I started rinsing and repeating this energetic time management process and then putting these things on my calendar that like tomorrow, maybe my actual to be list, not to do list was to take a shower and like put a little bronzer on my face and put my favorite sweater on. And no one was going to see me, but that's what my to-do, my to-be list was before I did the other things that were required because I matter. And slowly, 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 I was reclaiming how I wanted to feel, which what I didn't realize was reclaiming my power, self-respect, and knowing that like I matter and how I felt mattered. And the magic of that was I never expected this to change how I parented. I never expected this to allow me to be more present with my children, to yell less, to improve my marriage, to make me more money in my business. But it did. And then I realized the more alive I felt, the more energy I had, the more myself I was, that was literally the secret I was looking for.
0: Right. It's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. the, the Immediately where I, I started thinking as you were talking about sort of being sort of, you know, we, we've we all heard sort of the be, do, have um, scenario and, and really you have to embody what it is that you want to become. Um, a coach of mine uh, would reframe that to your thoughts, create your feelings and your feelings then create your actions. So it's not about that to-do list and getting everything off. It's like, how do you Feel and from those feelings that directs your actions. And so what you're saying here is, you know, using energetic time management, we're really trying to feel into those actions that are going to allow us to be that person that we really want to be right? Not the the tired, stressed out, you know, yelling mom who, you know, is always late and, you know, like perpetuating that sort of like, I need my wine, I need my coffee and I need my like dry shampoo. Mm-hmm. Not that any of those things are bad. And I was laughing about you talking about eating chips in bed at night because I just saw, like, I don't know what it was like an IG reel or something. And it was like, sure. Meditation is great and all, but have you ever tried eating chips, staring out the window and zoning out? And I was like, Yeah, I've done both. And I guess they've both been good in some way or another. But, you know, if I had to choose, like, you know, the meditation is going to be a little bit more filling. It's kind of speaking to what I would prefer to be as a person. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciate how you've taken so much time to create systems and strategies that help people really hone in on determining their energy, managing their energy to then find the success and be the person that they want to become. But I want to just take a little bit of time to talk about that resistance. I think it's really important to note that because yes, some of us really do want to feel safety and security. And so maybe we're in that dead end job and we're not taking that step, even though we hate it and getting to work is just like so painful and, but it's security. We know that paycheck is coming. And even if it's not, an amount that we want, we know that we have it right. Or, you know, the the resistance we might have because we're afraid of what other people might think. That was a a big one for me. Like I did not want to share my light with the world because I was so scared that, you know, a few people in my life might think it wasn't cool. Right. And so Mm -hmm. how do we get past that resistance, those judgments that we're holding of ourselves to actually put ourselves first, to succeed as mothers, as Business owners, as career-driven women, how do we actually push past the resistance to put ourselves first and to use our energy wisely? Okay,
1: I don't. <laughs> it's a big one. It's not. I don't believe it, is we it? ever push past it. Um, okay. So people say, like, how do I get over the fear? How do I get over the guilt? And that indicates to me that there's a belief. Of like, how do I not feel those things? Um, and I think this is where the challenge comes in. And I I I love wellness culture, but I do believe the toxicity of it is, you know, like, what's the secret? How come I haven't been able to figure out how to never feel fear or guilt or resistance again? And the truth is, you're a human being, unfortunately, having a an experience, and that includes emotional states. And if you want to feel the joy and the freedom, you also have to feel the fear and the resistance that go along with it. It's the yin and the yang, and that's just how it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't give so much power to it anymore. Um, I now know that just from practice, that when you know I can create a strategy and a plan, and when I immediately start to implement it and I feel resistance... Um, I'm like, Ooh, something good is here. Like something magic is on the other side of this rather than, Oh, I'm resistant. I'm now going to avoid and put this away and pretend it never happened. Um, Because I see this all the time in my work where I'm working with people and yes, there's strategy. There's a time and a place for a good strategy. There's a time and a place for a plan, but also sometimes that is our form of resistance of like, I just need another plan. I just need another plan. This one's not working. This one's not working. And I'm like, you are busying yourself to avoid doing what is required. Like you could literally work probably two hours a day and get to where you want to go. But we've been taught how not to master our mind, therefore overwork ourselves thinking that, Working more, doing more in general, doesn't have to be work related, doing more personally or professionally or for our children or our families gets us to where we want to go. But the truth is it's more strategic. So I now see my little tip is if I'm really resisting something, I run towards it and I realize I have to just feel it, but it actually goes away a lot quicker, the quicker I take action. So I just did, I've become mildly obsessed with doing like crazy endurance races, um, (laughs) mainly because it's like a physical representation of resistance. And I just did this 36 hour hike where you hike for 36 hours and you have to go up this mountain, take a gondola down. You have to do it 13 times. And I was about hour 24 when I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm giving up. I've gotten to my resistance wall. Like, yes, I was uncomfortable during that time, but I could like get past it. But I was literally facing like, you are not capable of continuing for the next 12 hours. Like done, 100% belief. But I had no backdoor. I had to keep going for another 12 hours. My body slowed way down, but the truth was, I was capable. Resistance never left me, but I kept choosing to keep going, even though my brain was telling me, you cannot keep going. But the truth was, I was because I was physically moving. And so I have learned over time not necessarily to believe my emotional state or the thoughts and stories that I'm telling myself, but to lean more into my desires. And say, even though I'm in this moment where resistance is very big right now or fear or guilt are very big right now, how do I want to feel? I want to feel joy. I want to feel free. So sometimes it's digging deep into my bigger why of like, why keep going? Why not just give up and be like everybody else? Um, And sometimes I'm crying while I'm doing it. And sometimes I'm like mentally trying to get to a, a better state where I'm like, What is good about this? Like, what a privilege to be able to do this. Like my physical body is healthy enough to do this. Um, sometimes you got to dig really, really deep, but I don't believe in getting over or going through something. Sometimes you're just hanging out with it and it's right alongside with you.
0: So good. And it's, I appreciate the realness behind it because it, it is true. Sometimes we think it's like. Everything is like this airy fairy and, it, you know, this like magical, you know, we all live happily ever after because she pursued her dreams and it all worked out and there were no, you know, downfalls. But yeah, like, I mean, we're, we're, we're butting up against ourselves and it is that, that how do I want to feel that maybe can help us see it through and, maybe we're not all resisting, you know, a 36 hour hike, yeah, but a lot of people coming like, that up.
1: is not on my <laughs> desire list. <laughs> I love hiking.
0: I, I don't know. It's not, it's not on my list yet. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if, right. But mm-hmm. this resistance, it's great to know because once you do push past it though, you get the evidence that you did it, you can do it and it can happen again. So maybe it's just a matter of, yeah, like shortening that time between the thought, how you want to feel and moving into action. That's really going to, to help you gain that evidence, let you know, I know that I feel scared right now. I know that I feel like everyone's going to, you know, rain on my parade, but once I do it, I will have the feeling that I want, like knowing that you've done it, I think is, is really powerful. Um, so maybe you can share some, some, some more of those practical tips, because I think a lot of us, like you were 10 years ago saying like you had no boundaries. You were the person that everyone came to for everything. So when we're looking at managing our energy, Mm -hmm. setting boundaries is going to be important, managing our emotions, knowing that it's not all perfect, right? That we're going to come through and feel resistance. We're going to feel scared. How do we, how do we actually do that? Can you share some tips for how we can move into action today to just truly live the advice that you're sharing?
1: So recently I've noticed that the more I become myself in the life that I want, the more I need to sharpen my boundaries, Um, especially around my time and my energy, because I feel the outside energy wanting to wanting more of me, if that makes sense. So I thought... I'm going to master this. It's going to get easier and easier and easier. It's almost like the illusion or the myth that we've been taught that the older our children get, the easier it gets. That has not been the case in my, in my state, having three boys, the oldest being now 18, almost 19. Um, I thought, Oh, it's going to get easier. And it's actually gotten more emotionally uncomfortable. And it's like the emotional intelligence skill has to get like, you have to constantly refine it. And that is what I find when you're becoming in life, the awareness is bigger. And I didn't, I thought at first boundaries were just say no, like just say no to everything that you don't want to do. But when you say no, you have to feel what is on the other side of that. No, like you're saying no to create more space. And I like to use a visual of a closet, like I just did this. I was going to buy some shoes. And I was like, do you really need shoes? My husband's like, if you get more shoes, you have to clear out the closet first. You have to get rid of, if you're getting it one pair, you have to get rid of at least one pair. And it's the visual of like, if I want to put more in here, more on my to-do list, more on my plate, I have to take stuff off my plate first. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you take stuff off your plate, yes, you may have a, a little moment of like attachment and you're like, no, 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 no. And then you get rid of it and you're like, feel so free but you have to feel the guilt like it's gonna be there and then you get to put in more quality right in your life but that's like the physical like you want me to go to this event I don't want to go to that event that's no but then I realized I had to also have boundaries with my emotions I don't know if you've had to do this um When I started doing this work, like I could over identify with my feelings. You start to get into feeling work and you're like, oh gosh, now I'm feeling guilt all the time. Now I'm feeling fear all the time. And then you have those people that are like, appear to be heartless because they are just so task oriented. It's like the left brain and the right brain, the logic and then the feeler, right? And they're like, don't ask me to feel. I don't have time for feeling. Boom, 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 boom. And then the feelers like, Hey, I just can't get anything done today because um, I'm just, you know, I'm in a shame spiral. And I'm like, both of you are swung to the other side of the pendulum and we need to meet in the middle. And that requires boundaries. So I watched this with myself where I've had to literally retrain my brain. I growing up was more of the feeler, the empath, like the one that's, could I create connection and the relationship and say yes to everybody. And I had to have boundaries with that and be like, Hey, you're in a shame spiral. Like give yourself 10 more minutes and then get up and put on some really good music and just get the energy moving. That was considered a boundary, and then it's like, hey, today you just got to get shit done. Like you don't really have time for feelings today, but tonight and tomorrow you're you're going to feel that you're going to go for a hike and you're going to feel that. And so this is energy management where I can't be all in the left brain. I can't be all in the right brain. Um, And sometimes like with other people's behavior and relationships as well, like I got into this with conscious parenting and therapy and all the things. My children know that I love talking about feelings and what's going on for them. But, you know, new school year started. Everyone doesn't want to go to school. They don't want to get up early. And I'm like, part of that, you just got to feel your feelings. I cannot be your therapist at seven o'clock in the morning. I will not. Sometimes you just got to feel your own resistance and move through it and not try to emotionally manipulate me to get out of it. There's no Mm -hmm. perfection here. So I don't believe in the perfection. I also believe in like coming back to self and like deep self-trust. Because just because I may have tools or strategies when I'm working with my clients, I don't know, what feels good to you? What does your gut tell you? Where do you need to focus your energy and attention? And at the end of the day, having the courage to choose yourself over and over and over again and getting that feedback to say, yeah, people don't like this, but it feels so right to me. um, That's freedom. And that's like a whole other identity shift. And I believe we're, we're healing generations of um, what it is to be a woman, what it is to be a good mother and knowing that like. Feeling alive and energized and fulfilled may look very unconventional, doesn't make you a bad person. And I think often
0: where we feel as though, if I say no this one time, then I am I I have to always say no. Or if I make this decision today, then that has to be going on from here on out. But it's like, you know, things can change. Maybe you will have the capacity to take on more and you, you will say yes to more when you are more energetically aligned with doing more, you know, so. It is an evolution We're we're on this ongoing journey where maybe you don't have that, that capacity now, but you can in the future. So it's not like a, uh, you know, complete death sentence of like, well, I'm choosing myself. I can never do anything for anyone else ever again. It really is like, you know, how do I feel today? How am I feeling tomorrow? And moving through it in a way that feels authentic to ourselves. Now you've written a book, Heather, and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really interested in it. It's called dying to be a good mother. Why did you write this book and and who was it for?
1: Well, my physical body was dying To And then what I realized was the physical body was dying because parts of me were dying years before. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I was doing that to be good as a mother. And so this book is for women who feel like It's not, um, it's a prescriptive memoir. I definitely tell myself or my story and sprinkle it through, but I give you, you know, the tangibles of energetic time management and all the things, but I'm here to say, I am living proof that the more alive you are, that's the good in the world that you want to be for other people. Um, And it's for women who are just done feeling like shit done with this narrative that give, give, give equals good. Um, you know, we've been taught to be that way. There's so many, I watch, I, first of all, my mother lives with us and it is fascinating. She knows I'm a rebel and I'm never going to listen to her. Um, uh, sometimes I do, but it's, we've come to this agreement, watching her discomfort in me choosing myself all the time, or, you know, how she thinks I should mother or parent or do all the things. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I know that I am Either triggering you or inspiring you. And that's just my purpose on this earth. So it's for women who are done and they really want to feel good inside and know that, you know, there has to be an easier way to do this. And um, I know sometimes life needs to really smack us in the face in order to wake us up, but my hope is that you don't need to burn out or get a diagnosis in order to create change. And I think it's conversations like this. The more and more conversations we're having where it's like, it doesn't need to be this way um, we're slowly shifting the culture for women.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you for, for writing this book and thank you for having this conversation with me here today. As we close out, I would just love to know, it seems like you've had such a, a full life. What is next or Heather Chauvin, what are you writing, you know, this morning and to come in your, wouldn't it be nice if two minutes of just sort of
1: free fall, what are you, what are you hoping and what are you feeling into next? I would say I'm less attached to my list now. And I'm just very present of like, what feels good and what is like next on, on the horizon. Um, I don't know. I never have a five or 10 year plan. I'm just always like, What, how can this get better? Um, but currently in this season of my life, it's just I, my what was presenting to me this year was do less better, and so there's like a deep declutter of like, is this just extra? Is this just busy work? And how can I do less better? Um, I've also mastered the art of saying no. Um, and thank you so much. Like people always wanting parts of me and me going, what is their, what's the question behind their question? Like, what is really going on here? What is my soul craving? Um, and I guess something random on my list is my attraction to pottery. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I think I'm in my granny phase, just drinking tea and making pottery just for shits and giggles for fun. So getting back to like my creative side and, and just creating crappy art it doesn't have to be perfect I don't need to make it a side hustle no one will ever probably drink out of my mugs or eat off my plates it's just for fun
0: and I hear that it is very like therapeutic and calming and just like like restful for the nervous system so that's beautiful thank you so much for being here Heather it's been a pleasure chatting with you today thank you so much I love how unapologetic and real Heather is, and I've loved chatting with her. And I'm so glad that I can share this conversation with you. Now, what really struck a chord with me is just in those final minutes of my conversation with Heather, when she said that she's aiming to do less better. And I think that In striving to remove things from our plate, we can really hone in and focus on what is most important to us and and really excel in those items. So that is something that I'm going to be taking along with me. There are some notes in this podcast episode to get some free gifts from Heather, and you can follow along in her journey by visiting Heatherchauvain.com. Now, if you got something from this episode, I will please unapologetically ask you to get to Apple podcasts, write a short and sweet review, share this with a friend, someone who could really use this message that managing your energy is so much more important than managing your time. So share it with a friend, write it, write a review, post it on your Instagram, do all the things. Thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to see you for another episode of the juggle is real podcast until the next one. Take good care.